You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. You can pause and do that right now so you don't forget. And when you get back, we'll jump right into today's call. I'd love to have you share just a little bit about where you live and who you teach. Okay. Um, so I live in New South Wales, Australia, and I live in a place called Wagga Wagga. So it's Aboriginal for place of many crows. We moved here about 12 years ago because a PhD seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, that didn't work out, but that's another story. Yeah. I started yoga when I was in Wagga because one of the academics at uni, she was a yoga teacher and she was doing classes for the staff in lunch at lunchtime. I probably would have started a lot earlier, but I was just too scared of the philosophy religious side that I thought yoga was. But when I got there and found out it wasn't necessarily that, then, you know, and I felt the physical benefits and the mental benefits. It just, yeah, it changed my world. But I came down with a virus called Ross River fever. And basically it's, it's like glandular fever. So you get chronic fatigue and um, you have joint pain in your wrists and your ankles typically, so you can't do anything. Um, Walking's difficult. Um, and when I recovered, but I still had like the post-viral syndrome of the fatigue, I couldn't go back to yoga class um, just because like I'd missed so much of the class when I had to rest that, you know, I felt like I was missing out on more than I was getting. Um, and I needed to rebuild some core strength and a friend suggested that I try pole. And so I went along to pole and I loved it. And I was able to just do try the each new trick a couple of times, like once or twice, instead of doing it three or four, like everyone else was. Um, and I slowly built up enough strength to be able to then go back to my yoga um, and maintain a whole sequence <laughs> or at least, you know, the modifications in a whole sequence. Like I tried, I tried Tai Chi and that was really good for relaxation, but I needed to build strength. And so even the more gentler Hatha versions of yoga were just not working for me at the time. And yeah, so that's when I started pole. And then I, like, I loved it so much that when the opportunity to buy the studio came up, I had enough credit in the bank, I had enough equity to be able to get a bank loan um, because I couldn't find a job at the time. Um, so I bought myself a job basically. So the people I teach are not your traditional yogis. They don't want the philosophy overtly anyway they want the strength strength versions they want they do appreciate the more subtle 
weaving in a philosophy like being kind to yourself and the ahimsa side of things. Um, but I've just got to be really subtle about that. So it's mainly people that either want to, they've seen how much fun that we have in our studio and they want to come to yoga, but they don't want to go to one of the yoga studios in town because there's quite a few. There's about 60,000 people in our town. And so there's probably two big yoga studios and a couple of smaller places. Um, so we're quite well looked after for yoga. And so I wanted to do something a bit different as well. Um, and as our clientele are different people. So um, I haven't attracted so many of people who are already doing pole to do yoga as a compliment, even though I think it's fantastic together. Um, and things that I've, like particularly the warriors and, and the chair poses are really good for things like climbing the pole because you're building up your leg strength. They're still, I think, wrapped in what is yoga and not knowing what yoga is. So um, I just started this term and we run in, in eight-week terms. I started just slowly drip feeding in a little tidbit of what is yoga every week, just like one thing a week, like not worrying about what the pose looks like, just making sure that you feel safe in it and not hurting yourself. And we started, it's what week five, and we got up to how does yoga actually relax us, you know, by getting on the parasympathetic nervous system. So we start from the beginning of class. So it's just a little bit every week and then trying a different exercise in Shavasana so that we're just fine tuning what people actually want. Um, and that seems to be working really well. I did, like, we we have a lot of giggles and um, I did let that get away a bit last year because there was someone who really wanted to come and I knew she really would benefit from yoga, but she just was that hyperactive that she just couldn't sit still. And so it became known as FCK or yoga. I'm trying not to swear. And so... But everyone was having fun, and so I was having fun too, but it became a really hard class to teach well and to teach, like, true to yoga. Um, and so that's where my struggle is. Like, that, that person's moved away from town now. I've got a whole new, new bunch of new yogis. And most people that come to me have never done yoga before. They don't know what yoga is, and they only know, really, from my social media presence what my yoga is. Yeah, I don't want to teach a boring class. But I also, I find it hard to read people. So I don't know if they're enjoying themselves unless they say it to me or unless I can see them having fun. Um, so I'm trying to go less, I'm trying to find the balance between what is, you know, a good, fun yoga class that's true to yoga and um, yoga philosophy without ramming the yoga philosophy down their throats, but trying to find a balance between having fun and being yoga. Well, I, I wonder if those are really polarities, though. Yeah, true. Yeah, well, the traditional way people think of yoga makes it a polarity. But yeah, I don't, I personally don't believe it is, but I've struggled on the wrong side of the line um, for a while. Tell me more about why it was the wrong side of the line. How did you know? Um, uh, well, I just felt like people enjoyed coming and they enjoyed the presence of these couple of really extroverted, loud people. But I just, um, a lot of my students have mental health issues and they've got bad anxiety and they've got depression and, and I really feel like yoga can serve, I could serve them better by letting them have yoga on their own mat with just a little bit of giggles and stuff rather than this one person overriding everything. Mm. So it sounds like the issue was not so much the amount of laughter that was going on. It was that one person was taking an inappropriate amount of attention. Yeah, yeah. 
and it was hard to rein that person in. And I knew that she needed the class for her mental health as well. But it, it really came to a crux when someone who was trialing the class actually said to me, oh, I should have taken X, Y, Z drugs before I came or I, and I would have felt like I fitted in a bit better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. I've got to do something about this. Maybe, but the thing is you can't, you can't please everyone anyway. Like there's no, no, no. no one class that's going to be right for everyone. So my first thought was like to just like run with this idea and call it laughter yoga and, and tell everybody to bring jokes and just really kind of let that be the theme and mm. embrace it. <laughs> that was my first thought when I heard you telling this story. Now, I mean, I totally hear what you're saying about that one person who it sounds like she's not there anymore. So it's not really an issue. Um, but so I remember one of my first classes, one of my first teachers, he was a Iyengar teacher and he was kind of a young guy and he'd been teaching a, like since he was like 16 or something like he'd been teaching. He was, so he was maybe in his twenties, but he'd been teaching a long time already. And he cracked jokes through the whole class and people loved it. And it was you know, it was a super fun class. He would push us a little bit physically. He would challenge us physically, but because there was jokes happening through the whole class and it was this really lighthearted class Mm. and it kind of helped you get through the physical challenge. Yeah. Yeah. The problem was that she and then everyone else wouldn't pause long enough to let me give the cues. And so when new people were coming along, they didn't know what they were meant to be doing and they could only try and look at the shapes we were making and couldn't get the cues to get, you know, the full, even the full benefits of the physical side. Yeah. So that's how, so what, so that part of it is the boundaries in the room yes. and the seat <laughs> of the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that is about you taking ownership of the class as mm. the leader of the class and yeah. hopefully now with this woman gone, that's going to be a lot easier to do, but that's definitely, it can be a challenge. I have taught classes. Like I remember teaching one class at a CrossFit gym and I, I taught a series there. And so the owner of the gym, he wanted yoga and he pushed people to come. And so some of his members came and they weren't really that excited about yoga, but they were, they were giving it a shot but they had this very kind of sarcastic personality, you know, and they wanted to push me. They pushed me a lot. And the way my personality is, is I kind of roll with it and push back. Yeah. And I think it went okay. It wasn't like my favorite series I've ever taught or anything like that. But, you know, I do think that that skill set develops over time. Yeah. Also, like I've only been teaching for three years, so the like years two and three was when this, you know, high octane, yeah. crazy yoga was happening, and I like my mental health was low, so I was enjoying it, but not able to feel like I could stand up to them. And I'm very blunt, so like if I'm not at my best, then what I'm trying to say won't come across properly. Mm. It'll come across like a angry person rather than just a blunt nice person yeah (laughs) I love that I'm I'm a blunt nice person too but sometimes it doesn't communicate which is why my husband um deals with staffing issues at our studio oh good 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 to have him there okay so here's what I know about boundaries 
they are much easier to set the earlier you set them. Yeah. So the earlier yeah. you set a boundary and the earlier you set an expectation, then the gentler you can be with it. Yeah. Yep. So as you look towards creating kind of a new culture with your studio, and I don't know, so is this a class that's ongoing? Is this a class you want to start up? Like where, where um, are you it's in this on, process? It's ongoing. It's okay. ongoing, but we only have one class a week and we, it sort of, it went, it ended up being, we'd get eight or 10 people and I don't want to have more than 11 people. Um, and we practice in a circle to make it, you know, happy and whatever. And sometimes we let dogs and cats come in to take the pressure off people so they don't feel like they have to do perfect Instagram poses. Um, but it's an ongoing class, but I would, now that my mental health is improving, I would like to build it up to more than once mm -hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. What do you call it? Um, I just call it power yoga at the moment. So I think like I, I do like the idea of laughter yoga. I couldn't think of a very good PC version to call it before. Yeah. Um, crazy was as good as I came up with. And I thought that's not really where I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, as I've talked to you, cause it was crazy. So it was a good description of the class. Right. But that's not what you want anymore. <laughs> but that's not what I want. No, it was just, it was just too hard. It wasn't fulfilling. Yeah. As much fun as we had, it wasn't fulfilling. <laughs> so here's what I would do is I would think for yourself about are there sections of class that you want to have quiet and sections mm. of class where it's appropriate to talk. Yep. And then lay that out ahead of time and say, look, the goal of this class is for us to relax and to have a good time and to not take ourselves too seriously. Yep. And in order for you to get the full benefits of this practice, we also need to have some introspective times. So here are the times of class. In the very beginning of class, during the first five or 10 minutes, we're going to be quiet and we're going to really check in. We're going to spend that time checking in and noticing what's going on on the inside. Then once we've done that and we start moving into the more active portion, the floor is open for you to participate and communicate and, and have relationships with people. And you can even encourage this by doing partner exercises, for example. Mm. And, you know, there's some controversy about partner exercises. I don't, I'm not a fan of like really intimate partner exercises, but there's things where like you're only touching hands right? Mm. Or you're only observing each other and giving each other feedback or something like that. Or you're assist, you know, you're like you're helping somebody in something, but you're touching like, you know, arms, hands, something very non-intimate. Um, and then at the very end, it's important for us to go back to that introspective place so that we can see the journey and we can see the positive effect that the practice has had and, and even the communication has had. Mm. So that's what, that's what I would do in your shoes is I would set aside some different chunks and make it so that the expectations are really clear. Mm. Yeah. I think I sort of heading that way, but feel a lot clear. I feel like I'm getting a lot clearer now. Yeah. Of how to do that. Like it, we used to sit down and try to having a group chat, but like one person would take over because if someone's having a really bad week and they just need to vent, then they'd get it over and the, the five to 10 minutes would become 15 to 20 to 30. And, you know, how do you stop someone who needs to say stuff and everyone's being caring, but you know, they know that they've got a, they're not getting their money's worth of class then. And, uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's boundaries again. That's you as the, as the teacher and the leader. Yeah. So now I've taken 
now I've sort of taken over and said, I'm just going to teach you this one thing every week. Yeah. And how do you think about that? So for a discussion, the way that I would do a discussion is to actually, I would pair people off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In a workshop, sometimes I'll put them in small groups, but for a regular class, I would give them a really specific topic like, what's one thing you're grateful for this week? Or tell me one challenge, one thing that's going on in your life that you need to shift your mindset around this week. Or tell each other one thing that you're confused about this week. So a, a really specific topic, and then they tell one person. And so that way, everybody gets a chance to share and nobody has a chance to dominate the group. Mm, that's a great idea. And then if you do a full group discussion and somebody starts to dominate, setting the boundary as early as possible. So instead of like letting them kind of go on and on and on until the point where you start to feel annoyed, like the first moment where you're like, this is inappropriate, you need to interrupt and say, Karen... I really want to hear what you have to say and I'm available after class, but as the teacher, it's my job to make sure that we get to do the yoga. So we're going to start yeah. that now. We did end up at the time like saying, okay, this 15 minute chat is part of your class and then we'll do our 60 minute practice. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, then it, as I said, I got out of control. So now I'm just like, okay, we're aiming for 75 to 90 minutes of class, including five to 10 minutes of chatting. The other thing I would do is have the chat after class instead of before. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you have people with anxiety in yeah. the group. After moving together for an hour or 75 minutes or 80 minutes or whatever it ends up being, they're going to be so much more open and available to participate mm. in a group chat mm. versus right in the beginning. Yeah. And that goes probably like, quadruple for new people who come in. Like you walk mm. into a room, you walk into a yoga class, you've never done yoga before. And what we have to talk first, <laughs> <laughs> let them get into their bodies, let them move, let them, yeah. let them experience the benefits. And then they will be primed to socialize at mm. the end. Yeah. I picked that up from last week's podcast, I think it was. And I have to get out of the habit then of like, because it's last thing at night, my husband, Jeff would clean my mat and pack it away when everyone else was clean and there's a pack it away and I'd race to the back counter and start preparing our dinner. Now everyone's got me in the habit of seeing that. So now it's a matter of getting them back into, Hey, Jen's sitting here chatting now. Well, what if, what if you offer tea? Um, they sort of, for a little while there, when it was a bit crazy, we would have, you know, Maccas or something afterwards. Um, we'd have, you know, chicken nugget yoga and we'd have, you know, a good group around, but it never, like the people that are coming now don't necessarily want to stick around. Mm -hmm. One's got a baby, so they go home, the baby, and they stick around for a chat for five or 10 minutes, so that's fine. Um, but it's not so much the group chat as a couple of individuals. Mm -hmm. Offering tea could be a ritual that actually motivates people to stay because there's this, there's this ritual around it. And you can, you can prepare the tea beforehand where it's in a thermos. Yeah. Mugs yes, and yes. a thermos. And as class ends, you say, we like to end this class with a group chat and some tea. You're welcome to grab a mug, stay for a few minutes. And, and that might actually be more inviting for people to stay. Yeah. That ritual. I might try of, that in, yeah. Yeah. I might try that in the last, like the last week of term to mark the end of term. And if they like it, then we can continue it. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. sort of, we tried to um, have dinner at the end of term. So it was, you know, marking the end of term. You got to pay your money again. 
mm-hmm. sign up again for a new term, but here's a, here's a ritual, but that sort of didn't take off. Maybe like if, the, if it's in the thermos already, yeah, they, um, they might like that. Yeah. So offering a dinner didn't take off. No, no. It, it worked when the first crazy lady was there because she knew she couldn't sit still in Shavasana. So she would go out, she would take the orders before class and she would go down to McDonald's and get everyone's chips and nuggets. And, you know, we'd come back and have our little nugget party, but she, she finished her degree and she moved away. So the next crazy person wasn't up for that. And I think, yeah, the, the whole, the group dynamic changed. And I, yeah, I think that, um, I think like the tea could would be worth a try. Yeah. I think it was too much of a time commitment to sit and have dinner. Um, because like we didn't finish till nine o'clock at night. So that doesn't mm. suit most people. Right. Um, whereas Jeff and I, because we're at the studio till nine or eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, then that's when we have dinner. What about offering like a community potluck on a different day for the whole poll, com- like your, all your students? Um, we've had trouble getting people to socialize, um, but we're trying a new thing on that this year. Like we had, we tried doing a picnic once a term or once a month um, because we thought that's a good low cost alternative. The people with families can bring the family because we'd tried going out to restaurants and that didn't work because of people with families. And then only one family came and a few others. Um, so that didn't really work. So we're going to try our things to like, I think we're going to go bowling this term. They voted for bowling rather than mini golf. Okay. Um, so we're going to try that. Um, as a like a half day outing yeah I definitely think once a month is too often yeah we're doing try like once every two months which is the end of our term um and if that doesn't work then you know maybe less often maybe twice a year or something I think twice a year would be good as a starting place and then if they get really popular add more yeah true yeah yeah like Christmas in July and Christmas or something yeah so what else do you feel like you have the questions that you were hoping to get covered covered or is there, do you have other questions? Um, no, I think I covered a fair bit. Like I like the idea of most of our people don't because of their anxiety, they don't want to do partner yoga, but if there is you know, just using your hands, then they'll be okay with that. I think. Yeah. Um, Cause I like, I love partner yoga. That was like one of the best things when I did um, kids yoga teacher training. Yeah. Like I've, I found like it was a totally different warm up, but I got the best, even better stretch. Yeah. I was just gobsmacked by how good partner yoga felt. Yeah. They, they like, like, as you're saying with your, um, your teacher that cracked jokes the whole time, I have a lot of cues that they like that are a bit on the lewd side. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not for every place to teach. Right. 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 Um, so like when you're going into like a pancake stretch, Mm. parts of your female anatomy towards the floor rather mm-hmm. than your belly button smiling at the floor that someone else might say. Right, right. Um, and that cracks them up, things like that, or, you know, boobs to your knees in a forward fold rather than another cue. So they kind of like to see what one I'm going to come up with next <laughs> in those. Yeah. And I like the idea of inviting them to think of a new joke and bring a new joke to class every week. Mm. I'm not sure how they'd go with that, but it's worth a try. Well, and nobody has to, but you can, you know, when you find the people who like a little bit of attention, that could be a more, it could be a more structured way for them to get that attention. Yes, true, true. 
And so you can even have like certain poses where let's say a warrior pose or a chair pose where you're getting people to hang out in it a long time. Mm. And then that's the moment where you're like, okay, who has a joke for us? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think my husband would probably be all over that. Because like the idea of making a less serious yoga class came about because we would always be trying to chuckle quietly to each other in class and um until someone said to us hey hang on you're interrupting me and we're like oh okay yep we better pull it back in and so like when we had control of the room we were like hey let's have this a bit more fun and we used to the you know the first year of my teaching was uh stretch and laughter and a, and a nap at the end people would call it but like i haven't had consistently the same people the whole time so that's when i thought well maybe it's something to do with my teaching as well as the group dynamic like I haven't kept students even though they've stayed with the studio so that was sort of the first cue of looking into you know sorting things out and and really I think focusing on improving my teaching which I didn't feel like I could do in the crazy class sure yeah that makes sense and it's a never-ending process but I feel like I felt like at that stage of the amount of time I've been teaching I wanted to have gone a bit further than I really had yeah because I kind of people would come up and ask for advice on this thing and this thing and their back hurting here and there. And I'd be like, I don't know, go see Jeff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of being like, Oh yes, blah, blah, blah. Cause I'd like with um, my mental health, I, for- I had such bad short term memory that I forgot everything that I'd learned in teacher training that I wasn't actively using every week. Right. So, you know, I'd have to go into poses and say, Oh yes, this hurts there. Okay, cool. Yep. I can feel that there. And, and that's, that's actually completely normal for everyone. Okay. Yeah. We learn so much in teacher training and anything that you're not actively using, it just, it gets deleted. It gets put in the trash. You know, the brain computer puts it in the trash and it takes a lot of practice before the same questions come up over and over, right? When they come up and then you're like, let me, let me look, let me look that up. Let me research that. Let me get back to you on that. You look it up. Now it's in context. Now there's a real person attached to it. Now your brain has a reason to hang on to it. So I, you know, I know that your medical condition made it harder for you, but I want you to know that that experience is actually pretty universal Mm -hmm. of like, wow, I forgot everything I learned in teacher training and I feel totally unqualified when people ask me questions. I suppose it's like everything in life. If you don't use it, you forget it too. Yeah. And, and those people asking you questions, that is the motivation for your brain to start hanging on to things. Yeah. And then you've got that. I, I don't know where I heard it. It might've been your podcast or someone else where it was trying to learn people's names. If you say, Mado and make something really exciting in your brain, then you'll remember that you're Mado. And we did something <laughs> like that in, in, in the kids yoga teacher training. We had to make a pose of yourself and go, Jen. And that really works when you've associated the pose with someone's face. Oh, so yeah. maybe like the excitement of you've got this person that needs this, has this problem that's come to you now. Exactly. Exactly. And so it sticks in better because you've not only got the application, but you've got the excitement of helping someone. Totally. And you've got the, the urgency of someone needing help. It's funny now I've got my physiotherapist in my yoga class. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, you know, I always, I always appreciate having people with more knowledge than me in my classes. I just, I ask them, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my answer and then I'll say, what do you think? 
Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. She said she's, she's forgotten the stuff that she hasn't been using too. So exactly. she's like, I've, I've had to dumb down a lot of my stuff to be able to talk it to people. So, <laughs> so I've forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind being corrected. If somebody has yeah. better information than me, more current information than me, I don't, I don't show up at my classes. Like, yes, we want to be the leader. We're the facilitator, but we don't have to be like the expert of everything. You know, mm-hmm. we're the expert of this class, right? We created this class for, and so we understand the order that the exercises are going to go in and the reason behind the choice for the exercises. That's what we're an expert in, but we're not necessarily an expert in everybody else's body. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily an expert in physiology. We're not necessarily an expert in anatomy right? We're just going to show up as we are the expert of this class. They really respond to that too. I think um, like because of the, the shoulder issues I've had recently, I have trouble getting into bow pose elegantly at all. <laughs> and so I really, I can reach both feet, but I've got to rock onto my side and poke my tongue out. And one of the students is like, this is the best part of class. What's your new struggle, Jen? <laughs> Because the pressure's off them then to be perfect if I'm not perfect. Yeah, you know, I was just reflecting on how in yoga classes, it's not really socially acceptable to make a lot of struggle noises. Mm. But when I go to other types of exercise classes, I make a lot of struggle noises. (laughs) So, So that kind of pulled me back into like, it's okay to struggle a little in yoga too, you know, Mm. like I think we can discern for ourselves inside whether this is an appropriate struggle or it's like pushing ourselves beyond safety struggle. Yeah, Yeah. You know, like when I'm working hard, like I can tell that I'm very safe, but I'm struggling (laughs) and I'm, and I'm making some struggle noises. (laughs) So I kind of like that. I, my thought is that in your class, struggle noises would probably be okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're not a yoga studio. We're a pole dancing studio. We're, you know, we'd, we're about fitness and strong, strengthening your body and, and learning. Like The thing that I really like about yoga in relation to pole is that it's so much safer doing your tricks on the pole if you've got the body awareness from yoga. Yeah, absolutely. Or, and if you're doing both, then you'll get the body awareness so much quicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and knowing about engaging which muscles and, and what have you. So, and um, just that, I, I mean, I, I can totally see where you're coming from because that you have to be introspective. You have to have some quiet to build the body awareness. Yeah. Cause yeah. if you're, if your attention is outward, then you're not paying as close of attention to what's going on in your body. Yep. 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 That was probably exactly where it, started to become uneasy with me to let the craziness be taking over yeah um, yeah but yeah like they they weren't getting the mental side but they also like of the the calming side but they weren't getting the introspection of the body awareness either right well i hope that this was helpful and i hope that you'll stay in touch and let me know how the class progresses your class sounds super fun and i would love to come and attend Um, it probably won't be next week, (laughs) (laughs) but if I ever find myself in New New South Wales, is that what you said? Yep. Yeah. Australia. 
then um, I will I will come and take a pole class and a yoga class with you. All right. We're halfway between Melbourne and Sydney. So if you're going between there and not flying, we're the halfway point. Um, how long is the drive in between Melbourne and uh, Sydney? Like five and a half hours each way from us. Mm-hmm. Four and a half hours. Oh, each way. Yeah. Dang. It's big country. <laughs> Same size country as yours, but we only have seven states and territories. Right. And a lot fewer people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody in the United States is so we're so us centric like our 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 culture is so us centric that so many people are not paying attention to what's going on outside the us we have no idea about geography outside the us i just love geography i love look i i you know i almost love imagining traveling more than i love traveling <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah the the planning is definitely a fun part of traveling isn't it well it's not even so much the, the planning because no I don't love planning yes the (laughs) pre-planning is what I like planning oh my god because like so planning travel would be fine if I had like unlimited budget right that would be fine but when I'm when I'm always like trying to figure out well is there a cheaper way to do this well okay like what time does that start what time does that end but I I do like to go places and meet people and experience different cultures for sure Mm. But probably my favorite part is, is imagining it. <laughs> imagining. <laughs> and you know what's really cool about technology, even though we had some tech issues in the beginning, is that you and I get to have a conversation. Yeah. It's one in the morning for you. Now it's probably like almost two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and we're looking at each other and talking across the world. It I just know, right? blows my mind. It's so crazy. <laughs> so thank you for participating. Thank you for staying up so late to thank chat you. with me. And Can um, I just say um, thank you for your meditation you've got on Insight Timer. Oh. I reckon that was one of the, as soon as I found out you had one on there, um, I reckon that was one of the key factors of getting my mental health back under control at the end of last year. Wow. Um, I listened, I listened to that and the bit where the breathing exercises I struggle with because that makes my anxiety worse until I practice and practice. But the bit where you said um, that your anxiety is welcome to be a part of you, but not welcome to take control. Yeah. That was like light bulb. And the other, the other things that you said in the meditation was like, wow. And then like, I listened to that and like within the next week I was like back to normal person. Oh my gosh. So I still have dips and stuff, um, yeah. but they're getting less frequent. And I do listen to that semi regularly still, like probably once every month now. Amazing. Um, just to remind me of the things that were on there. And I just tell everyone to listen to it. That um, is so cool. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know it was pivotal. I really uh, think it was. Thank you. Thanks for telling me. Uh, that's, that's really helpful because I, I just put that up for a lark, you know. I heard you saying that and I was like, oh, like I love the podcast and you're such a good interviewer and such good insights that you have into things. And I went, I've just got to listen. And then I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Jeff, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Technology. Yeah, exactly. So so much good with it. So much good. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you again, Jen. Thank you. It's so good to meet you. And hopefully I'll meet you in person one day. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. 
Bye. Bye bye. Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And thank you also to each of you who listen all the way to the end, and most especially to those of you who leave reviews and who reach out to me to let me know that the podcast has impacted you and helped you. I'm grateful to get to support you and your teaching through the podcast, through workshops, trainings, and one-on-one strategy sessions. If you'd like to find out more about working with me one-on-one, you can do that at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. Until next week, just a friendly reminder to prioritize your personal practice and whatever you do, whatever works for you for self-care so that you have the resources to be able to help others and be there for others. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.